in three, two, one. Have you ever considered writing a book to advance yourself professionally? Your book is your best business card. It can open doors, create authority and credibility, and build your business. Regardless of your writing level or experience, whether you have written hundreds of articles or blog posts, or you haven't finished a paper since college or high school, you'll enjoy this episode with the business book strategist, Kathy Fayok. Well, hi, Kathy. Welcome to the program. Glad to have you. Well, thanks so much, Michael. Now, where are we talking to you from? Where are you today? I am in Punta Gorda, Florida. Oh, excellent. Weather's good, I'm assuming. You're coming into good season it's now. beautiful. Yeah, it's nice and warm. Excellent. Well, the reason we wanted to have you on the show, Kathy, is you are known as the business book strategist, and you work with professionals and thought leaders who want to write books and business development strategies. And so you're the author of 11 books, so you're not new to this. You've been doing this for a while. And you help people get through their hurdles, their obstacles with your works in order to get published. Let's talk about that. First of all, how did you discover that niche in the first place and that, that how it became a passion or some of the work that you love to do? How did you discover that? Well, it's kind of a fun story. I've been a member of the National Speakers Association for more than 30 years. Right. Wow. But I get a call from my local chapter. This is about nine years ago. And the president chapter says, hey, Kathy, I heard a rumor that you wrote one of your books in less than six weeks. Right. Is that right? And I said, well, actually, I wrote at the time four of my five books in less than six weeks. And he said, that is amazing. Do you have a process? And I thought, oh, yeah, I guess I do. I guess I do. He said, would you be willing to give a program about your process to our chapter members? And I'm like, yes, of course. He said, but before you say yes, we have a couple of our chapter members who are working on books. Would you be willing to coach them using your process and Excellent. then give a program? And I'm like, okay, you had me give a program. I'm totally in. And so I started coaching these two women and who are friends. And they said to me really early on, hey, Kathy, have you ever thought about being a book coach? I said, no. <laughs> Is wow. there a need? Yeah. Is there such a thing? And they assured me there was. And so when I gave my program to the chapter, my friends came up to me and said, Kathy, have you ever thought about being a book coach? And I said, okay, I get the message. I'm hearing it loud and clear. So it was really something that I had never quite envisioned on my own, but it was sort of brought to me. And I've been doing this since January of 2014. And it is the most fun I have ever had while still working and, and drawing a paycheck. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. Well, it does take time. And you're talking about the book On Your Mark from first word to first draft in six weeks, which sounds like, hey, that's an impossibility. How am I going to get that done? Being an author of a couple of books myself, it takes me about two years to actually write a book, but not really. It's only about 90 days if we do it. So I was intrigued by your subject matter. And after reading your book, I went, I got to do this in six weeks because I can give it six weeks when I draw that's it out. That's it. Yeah. Yes. And most of us, if we get really organized, we get super focused, hyper focused, if you will, and then sit down and have a plan, work the plan, we can get it done really quickly. 
Yeah. And for me, it was really about setting the dates and then scheduling my writing time. If I left it up to chance, something yes. else filled in the blanks. Oh, yeah. Like There's anything always else. always going to be anything yeah. else. Will. <laughs> Poking pins in my eyes and pouring salt in yes. the holes yes. was more attractive yes. than many times. <laughs> it was brutal concept, but so rewarding when you do get done. And we'll talk about oh, the processes because yeah. I think that's a big one. When you started with this process, because like I say, you've authored 11 books and the ideas, the way we did and why we did them were different reasons. Has that changed at all? Did the pandemic change anything in that? And the reason I'm asking the question is I saw a stat that said uh-huh. 17% of the people who buy a book actually complete a book. Now, I think that's probably true with general books, but when someone buys a book like we you write about something specific, they already have an interest, so the readership's going to go up. The attention to the book is going to go mm-hmm. up. Has there been a decline nationally, would you say, with the books? Or are people reading more today? Or are we looking at shorter suite? The blog's the new way of doing it. Is that the new book? What's your feel around that? Well, I still think when people have problems, they look for solutions. And many people look to a book for that solution. And so for those individuals, those experts and professionals who want to position themselves, it's a wonderful positioning tool. So books are not going away. I think, yes, we will see probably more variations of how the readers consume books, whether they sit down and read a hard copy or they read an electronic copy or they listen to their copy, they're going to be consuming that information because I think as long as we have a breath to breathe, we're going to have problems to solve. And so there will always be a need for books. Well, and at the very least, it goes to your authority and credibility, right? Like I remember- It sure does. Yeah. as a yeah. We started off as a sales training company and I always write books backwards. So I don't write forward. I've already been doing what I've been writing about for a couple of years and testing it. So I test out the theories, the jargon, the language, and then I write the book and then I'm bored with it. I never want to see it. It's kind of like an actor watches a movie. They never want to see the movie they were just <laughs> in. I'm sick of it by the time I see the darn thing, but I'm happy to move on to the next piece, right? But I found that when I'm going into a meeting and I use it as a credential piece and I'm introducing myself and I bring them a couple copies of the book, it really opens doors and it puts me ahead of the other person I might be competing against. So if I'm going up against someone without a book and they don't have any, I win. And hey, that's what it's Absolutely. about. Absolutely, It's that ultimate, dif- Absolutely. ultimate differentiator. In, yeah. in fact, somebody came to me and she was a speaker and she said, Kathy, not having a book just cost me, and I think it was like $10,000. I'm like, how did it cost you $10,000? She said, well, I had a speaking engagement and I was up against two other speakers and they asked me if I had a book and I had to say no. And yeah, she said, I lost out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So and it's, um, and that's it's true. the name of the game. Well, and if you look at some of the other speakers have done extremely well, Simon Sinek, Start With Why, we both have the same agent. And when he came out with his book, the agent developed him and into the book and boom, man, he took off like crazy. And so you've got YouTube videos, you've got your TED Talks, but the book is still the ultimate authority in my mind. There's, yes, there's some gravitas that, we think of when we think of a book. It's like, maybe it's because we all dream of writing a book. Right. It's on we so all have one or two people's bucket list, yes, is to write a book. Absolutely. <laughs> this episode is sponsored in part by Rainmaker Digital Solutions, featuring Active Campaign. Looking to drive growth with customer experience automation? Active Campaign, the number one marketing automation platform for e-commerce, B2C and B2B companies, gives you the email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM tools you need to create incredible customer experiences. 
ActiveCampaign is the platform we use to reach, nurture, convert, and grow our business, and you can use it to grow yours. You can see why 150,000 plus businesses like yours choose ActiveCampaign to help them grow and become preferred in the markets they serve. You can also start your free trial by visiting our website and clicking on the ActiveCampaign trial link. As a bonus, we'll also give you a digital copy of my book, Becoming Preferred, How to Outsell the Competition. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder in the company. And now back to my conversation with Kathy Fayok. So the obvious ones from credibility and authority are important, but what other benefits are there that come from authorship in your mind? Well, there's a whole ton of benefits. Yes, it's the ticket that gets you in the door, that gets you the engagement, that wins the sale. It brings you more exposure, more visibility. It's a PR excuse. But even beyond those things, there is something that changes, I think, when you are the author of a book. And I was just interviewing some of my authors about this because we were talking on it in one of my coaching calls, and we were all talking about what a book has done for their confidence, for their command of their their whole persona, uh, their, their ownership. Persona. The, yes, the, the ownership of their turf. And right. there's something about that, having authored a book. I've always said that writing a book, having a book is magical. And I absolutely believe that. Yeah, I think so too. I remember the first time presenting it at a talk and a program, and then people lined up to get the book, and I had a few hundred people lined up and signing autographs, and it was a little intimidating, right? You're like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. My kids thought it was cool, but it was like, all right, this is kind of nice, and it does feed the ego for sure, but there should be a purpose behind the book, obviously, and it's finding out what's that subject. So from a formula point of view, you said a lot of people buy books to solve the problem. So if I'm an aspiring author or a business professional, a financial planner, an aspiring speaker, anyone in my profession, I could be a trainer, I could be a coach. How do I find that right topic? And does the topic need to be directly related to, or should it be directly related to my core competency, if you will? Or how do I determine what we're going to write about? Well, I think it should be an outgrowth of who you are, what you love, what your passion is, what you'd like to do. I often say that a book will take you where you want to go. So be careful of what you write. So be sure that you're writing about the work that you want to do, because you will get booked for more work in that space. So thinking about where you want to go, but thinking about what are the needs that your targeted reader has about your subject matter. So you're not writing to showcase how brilliant you are, although sometimes a book does that. The real purpose of a book is to meet the needs of your reader. And that's one of the most important distinctions because some people think, oh, I don't want to write a book because it's all about ego. And Really, a good book is not about ego. It's about meeting the needs of your reader, right. putting readers first. No, that makes sense. It's a challenge when you're looking at topics. Like I find I, I chase those shiny objects on topics every once in a while. I come up with a good idea, but then how deep can I go with this? And at what level should you write this? So books, when we decide on a topic, we're all used to the traditional outline. Here's my index, write the outline first. And I'm assuming you probably do that as well and say, okay, here's our outline, what's the key points, what are the key learnings? And then we know the first chapter sets up the book, the first paragraph sets up the chapter, the first sentence sets up the paragraph. So everything kind of leads into itself. When I look back at the books I've done, I could probably write them in 12 pages, maybe 15 tops, even though they're 168 pages, but there's a lot of fluff in there, right? So in today's world, you want to get to the point, is there a level at which we should be writing at, like not too cerebral, but for your average reader, most of North America is, they read at a 10th grade level. 
basically. How, how do you recommend that to your coaching clients? One of the things I say is we are all super busy today. So you want your book to be consumed by your readers. You want them to be able to solve their problems or at least understand how you could solve the problem for them. It needs to be consumable. So I say write it as neatly, as elegantly, as condensed as you possibly can. So it's not about filling up a book of words. It's about getting the problem solved in as few a words as possible. So it's being succinct in your message, your delivery, get to the point, but give them enough detail yes. to help them understand the point and go from there. Yes. That's why we have Cole's notes, right? What's the summary of that? So when you write your books, do they unfold in front of you when you write? And I know you've coached over 200 professionals in developing book projects, but do the books typically unfold as they're writing them or do they typically know what they're going to be writing about? As I mentioned earlier, and they're writing about what they've already been doing or that subject matter. Do you see a pattern there at all with anyone? Yeah, for most of my authors, they're speakers. So they're already doing training, consulting, speaking about this topic. So basically, I say start by thinking about what is the most important element of your message, your core message. And we boil that down and then get to the content outline that allows us to then create the book from that point. Sure. Well, that makes sense. Now, in your book, I think it was on your mark. You talked about your love-hate relationship with writing, and I totally could relate to that. I, I chuckled. And the hidden voice, I want you to talk about the bitch. Yeah, um, yeah. I love that. I love that language because that's what I called it. I actually had some more terms for it as well. And yeah, of it, course it, you did. It, it's it's non-gender based, but it's definitely no, a bitch. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yes. So I hate yes. it too. The satisfaction comes from when I'm finished for the day. I only dedicate half hour right. to an hour a day doing it, but I do it every day. And that way I stay sharp with it. And some <laughs> days flow better than others, but I hate it. Let's talk about you hating it. And how did you overcome yeah, that? I hate it. And I think that's what makes me a good book coach is that if I were this it. person who said, I love writing and why don't you just want to spend every moment of every day writing? I don't think I'd be very good. I understand most of my clients do not like to write. They would much rather be doing anything else right. than including the eye thing. That yeah. Poking pins in your eyes. Yeah, about. exactly. Yeah, that gross. <laughs> but most of my authors would totally agree with you, Michael, yeah. and they want to get through with the writing. So let's, I, what I, what I help them do is learn how to write in spite of your disdain for writing and your love for having a written product. Well, I think if you uh, link you it to sell. the values. So for me, how I get yes. over that and get past the bitch, if you will, is I look at what's yes. the value to me if I do it, even though I hate doing it, there's things that we do based on our values, mm -hmm. right? So for me, mm -hmm. it wasn't about fame and glory. It was about establishing credibility. So um, some people write, for instance, they want the fame, they want the celebrity It goes along with that. I think you're lucky if that happens with your books, right? Just hit a vein or at work. People want to earn big bucks or they think, hey, I'm going to earn big dollars doing that. Well, no, there's a lot of work that goes into that. Even with a national bestseller, you can still lose money. And I know people who spent a fortune on the promotion and at the end of the day, they didn't make any money with it. Some people, it's the publisher parish, as you talk about in your books, the publisher parish monster. And overcome it, they got to do that or they lose their tenure, their job. The process is to write with that end in mind, as you talk about and see that picture. What's the benefit going to be for me? So I know it puts me top of mind, gives me something to talk about, and I'm using it as a conversation starter. 
these are all roadblocks for people. And in your book, you talk about the roadblocks. So what are the common roadblocks that prevent people from writing? What are the things that you see with your clients the most? Well, I think the one that they believe is the number one issue is time. time. I'm too busy to write. I don't have time to write. I'm not a very good writer. Those things related to the time and energy needed to write. And there's lots of ways to get around that. But I find that truly the number one enemy of writing is the negative voice in your head, which I call the bitch. The bitch. (laughs) And the bitch with a capital T and And a a capital capital B. (laughs) Because that voice is so persistent and so loud for some of my authors. And the voice is saying things like, who do you think you are? You can't write. What do you know about this topic? Little imposter syndrome. A little imposter syndrome going on, either about the writing or about the expertise, or sometimes about both at the same oh, time. Yeah, yeah. And that is the number one enemy. So we got to figure out how to quiet that voice and get it under control so that we can get to the work that we need to do. So any quick tips on how to do that? Other than a good couple of glasses of wine and maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. One, one thing that I tell my authors is that just because you have conquered the bitch once doesn't mean you've won the, the, battle. the battle forever. No, you will be fighting that negative voice Every project that you do, every book that you write, yeah. every painting that you try to paint. Uh, I, I know the you know, bitch really, well. Anything. Yes. I mean, if we're trying to do new and creative and exciting things, if we're trying to put ourselves out there, we're going to be facing that negative voice. So we've got to just first acknowledge that we're going to have it. And then there's several things we can do. We can hang out with other like-minded professionals. We can talk about that negative voice and we can just yell at it. <laughs> no, it's, it's very interesting. And I better share yeah. with you a strategy that I used this year. But, I'm writing my first fiction book and oh, also fun. with the podcast coming out and as a speaker already had that kind of conquered already written a couple of books that have done really well but i wanted to stretch they were hard work and they're challenged but it wasn't really a push if that makes sense right so doing this podcast was a push and launching out the podcast because the negative voice comes in the bit shows up and goes hey what if this is bad you're exposing yourself all the scrutiny you're going to receive all that so i understand that and then earlier in the year over the holidays i was reading a book that a family member had sent to me who's a psychologist called internal family systems IFS. And it's a form of cognitive therapy. I'm always interested in that and psychology and how that works. And he talks about we all have an internal family. We have protectors. And our protectors came to be and were created when we were young and maybe six, seven, eight years old to protect us. In the book, they recommend naming it. So I called mine the procrastinator. So why is the procrastinator giving me this discouraging voice and stopping me from doing something that I really want to do? By reading further in detail and naming it, by simply identifying it, I go, oh, there's the procrastinator, and making friends with it, embracing it, actually going, hey, I appreciate that you're here. I know you're trying to protect me from getting hurt. You don't want me to have my ego bruised or whatever, but I got this. I'm a big boy. I can take my legs. And by simply acknowledging it and embracing it and what it is and not being scared of it, it actually diminished its value. Well, that's interesting that you say that, Michael. I've discovered an exercise that I often do with my authors. Sometimes we write a letter to the bitch, but I've learned that as sort of a take on that, we write a 
thank you letter there you are. to the bitch. Yeah. Ah, and that changes everything. Yes, we can it does. say thank you for protecting me. Thank you for keeping me safe. Thank you for keeping me out of embarrassing situations. But now I need your help. Yeah. And I'm okay. <laughs> I'll survive this. And it really right. does work. So by acknowledging and giving thanks and welcoming it, embracing it. It does make a difference. So I'm glad you came to that conclusion yourself. So it's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the other thing is to use that critical voice when when it's time to edit your book, not when you're writing it, but when you are editing it, you want that critical voice. Is this the way I want it? to sound? Is this the approach that's really going to serve my readers best? Does this position me in the way that I want this book to position me? So having that critical voice with you during the editing phase is beautiful. Now, do you recommend, like for me, what I find is I'm a good first second draft person. I can crank out first draft and then I can come back to it the next day and go, that's garbage. But I never edit and write it at the same time. <laughs> Perfect. I, what I do is Perfect, I write, Michael. write first, yes. edit later, and then get it to the second draft. But I f- just let it rip, get that flow of consciousness kind of moving, right? As soon, is that what you recommend Absolutely. as well? Absolutely. In fact, writing and editing are two separate brain functions. If you are trying to write the perfect bit of prose and you are struggling and you are writing and editing as you go, you are wearing yourself out literally because (laughs) you are, your brain is going from editing to creating, creating to editing, back and forth, back and forth, and you're wearing yourself out. So the best thing you can do is put the timer on. I love using the timer on my phone and I'll put it on for five minutes or 10 minutes, short periods of time, definitive activities to do during that short time will help you turn off that editor very, very quickly. Oh, that's great advice. If I'm same time every day, start my coffee, I've got to have the caffeine stimulation, unfortunately, but then get the mojo moving. And then sometimes it just flows and it rips. And then other times you're just looking at it going, this is just crap, right? and you rehack it again or do it, but it can be mentally taxing. Well, what I love about what you just said is you figured out that for you, it's the morning, you have to have your cup of coffee. Everybody's got to figure out what works for them because it's really different for everyone. Some people find that it's that as they get everything done and the kids are tucked in, then they can get into their writing space. Or sometimes it's uh, the middle of the day, they're kind of jazzed, but they need a change of pace and what they're doing. That's their writing time. But to find that time and place, I call it your happy time and your happy place to write. (laughs) That's really important. And to figure out what that is for you. No, that's right. And I try and remove all distractions. I like to put on some light jazz and have it going in the background. And then I like to watch the sun come up while I'm writing. I have nice big windows I can look out at and just crank it out. When I'm done my hour, I'm done my hour. Sometimes I go past, Mm -hmm. and but I always try and make sure that I'm staying focused and have those times. Now, when we are writing, so people, they when they're writing their books, they set their time aside. I know that's one of the big issues is having the time to write and then scheduling it. Another thing that you mentioned in your book is the lack of focus of the idea. So people get distracted or maybe they wonder a little bit. Talk talk about that mm-hmm. for a little bit. Yeah, I find when I'm working with authors, especially those who've been working on their same book for two years, five years, 10 years, they keep kind of shifting and going in slightly different directions. So when we start working together, what I say is let's develop the strategic plan for your book that aligns with your business. And let's identify some key pieces. And we identify the purpose for the book, how it will be used in your business or in your practice. If you want to hand it out as a business card or whatever, we're going to identify the thesis statement 
what the book is about specifically, who it's for, the targeted reader, the scope of the book, the content outline, and the project plan for getting it done. By doing those strategic elements right up front, we have pinned down the structural elements that will help us then go forward and be sure that whenever we do sit down to write, we're writing for the book that we're working on right now. Right. Not thinking of the future. And that goes to the vision. You also talk about some authors, they're actually missing the vision for the book. What's its end goal? Maybe it's just rambling for a little bit. So you've got to kind of have that all figured out ahead of time from a storyline point of view. And then now you're filling in the details after the fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some of my authors have come to me and they said, well, now I'm really eager to get started. So do I just start writing? I'm like, no, no. I mean, (laughs) you can, and you've probably done some writing that you can repurpose for your book, but let's start out with a plan of focus, a strategy. Let's create some boundaries because we know that in developing self-efficacy, this notion of I think I can, one of the elements of that is creating boundaries or framework and also getting into flow. We know that in studying flow, part of that is having boundaries, structure. So by doing those things first, it allows us then to move forward with a little more grace and agility than before. (laughs) Now, books come in all sizes and shapes, and I'm pretty sure I know what you'll see on this, but it's really about, does it solve the problem? And if 200 pages to solve the problem versus 50 pages, so that really doesn't matter. The title is obviously going to be important. That has to be your hook, right? How's the relationship between, say, blogging? Because you have another book, Blog to Book, where you can repurpose your content to discover the book that you've already written. So if I'm, say, I'm a blogger and I've got my blogs going out, what are some of the strategies to be able to take those blogs, which might cover a myriad of subjects under an umbrella, all right, and then get them into a book? So what's the main premise of your book, Blog to Book? Well, I'm working with two podcasters right now, and we're basically doing a podcast to book, just as I've helped but uh, many of my authors do blog to book. But the premise is really the same. You start with those strategic elements. You start with who is it for? How do you want to use it? What's your thesis statement? You create the pillars or the themes that you're going to be covering. And then you start organizing your content. Not everything that you have done for a podcast or a blog will deserve a spot in your book. Some of it just wasn't that great. Some of it frankly, was a little redundant. Some of it was off topic. Some of it was uh, boring, maybe uh, more seasoned. Well, yeah. well whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just it, it didn't fit. Proud. So we take all of that out. Yeah. Right. And then we organize the rest of it so that there is a logical sequence of the material that we're seeing for the reader. Well, that makes sense. And you follow the same premise with your blogs. In other words, if you take your model that you teach yes. in your programs, you can use that for article writing and whatever. Now, I used to do about 50 articles a year. And one of the areas I want to address was sometimes I ran out of time. So there was a service where I would hire ghostwriters and I'd find some really good ghostwriters to help me with those articles that could learn my voice. So I'd give them samples of what I've done or we'd have interviews or they would interview me on a subject matter and then write an article and then my name goes on it. Talk about the ghostwriters. When should I be looking at that? Maybe my writing skills are off. Is there a time when it's appropriate? And then is it a legit form of authorship? Well, There are many, many authors who go the path of finding a ghostwriter. I'm not a fan. I have to say, I believe that there are things that you learn when you author the book that you master at a deeper level. You are able to provide better services. You're able to be a better speaker. So my personal philosophy is that 
speakers, consultants, experts should write their own when they can. Now, I know that sometimes time is an issue, but I'm a big believer in figuring out how to do it more effectively. For example, I do with my clients on our group coaching calls, I do these two-minute writing prompts. And basically, I give them a vision, a picture, and they relate it to their subject and they write for two minutes. And I don't know how many times people have said, oh my gosh, in that two minutes, I wrote 100, 200, 300 words and now have, it's not the whole blog or it's not the whole piece of content, but I've got a great start. So all I need to do is spend another hour or so with that and boom, it's done. There's the framework. So there are some really great hacks for writing more quickly and effectively than I think just turning it over to a ghostwriter. It's really about learning to open up that creativity because your subject matter better than anyone else does and setting yourself up. I think that part works. Okay. So we've written a book, we've taken our time, we've got our focus, we've got our manuscript. And in the old days, we used to submit it to literary agents and we might get a yes or no. We then trust someone else to go and sell that. And the publisher would publish it. And we were lucky to get a buck a book. And maybe we ended up in the remainder bin, which I dreaded. So I never, ever submitted one of my books to a normal publishing thing. We actually created our own publishing company 25, 30 years ago and started publishing books, right? And learn how to do it because we wanted control. How do you recommend that in today's world? We can go on YouTube, we can do videos, you can have your own channels. There's so many points of distribution. How do you coach your clients and what do you recommend? First of all, there are a million ways to get your book to the marketplace and so many different formats that it can work. For most of my authors, we don't go the path of traditional publishing because it doesn't suit the needs of most of my authors. Because when you sign with a traditional publisher, you're basically signing away your copyright. You're signing away the rights to your intellectual property. It's probably going to take longer than you would like for them to get your book to market because it's going to take probably a year or so unless they can really do an expedited schedule. You're going to lose a lot of creative control. They're going to say, we don't really like this title or we want the cover yellow instead of your brand colors of whatever they are. So there's a lot of negatives in going with a traditional publisher. So most of my authors today go hybrid or self-published. My authors will do hardcover or hardback books for gifting purposes. And I think that's perfect. But if you want to have it available for sale for people who are traveling, who want to carry their book with them on the plane, have it in soft cover, have it as an ebook. And ebooks, as far as electronic, that seems to be growing year after year. And audio, absolutely. Like I listen to books more than I read them now, just with my eyes are getting older because I can multitask. I can listen while I'm doing something mindless. Yeah, I think this is going to be a huge trend: is giving the content of our book in ways that our readers want to consume them. So, do they want to listen to the book? Do they want to take it on a Kindle or a Nook? Do they want to have the book so they can mark it up? Figuring out what your reader wants and meeting your reader where they are. Right. That absolutely makes sense. So it's really about setting your focus, setting your vision, find out what you want to write about, talk about, get rid of the bitch, the discouragement voice that's stopping you from doing this. 
schedule time on a regular basis so that you're ready. It doesn't have to be an eight hour a day thing where it's laborious. It's a time where you can be quiet by yourself and with your thoughts. For me, it's always about what I call stimulus and response. If I'm stuck, I'll start reading other things about that that subject matter and all of a sudden I get a thought and I'll come up with a whole new idea just based on something I just saw or read. And one of the things I recommend is if you've outlined your book in advance, if that's one of the first things you've done, you can jump around on your outline so that if you're stalled out on this section of the book, jump to another section of the book and chances are there will be inspiration in other places. So follow the inspiration, follow the energy. Lots of good stuff in there. Well, Kathy, this has been an absolute treat. We're going to have all your book links in the show notes. And I believe you're offering complimentary strategy sessions with folks who are interested, who are at that point And they'll have a link to your website where they can book some time with you. I would love to talk with folks about their book idea and give you some of the answers to get you started. Now, I have to ask you, and I asked some of our guests this, we all have superpowers. You've obviously found yours, the ability to code. But we also have our kryptonite, but we have something that prevents us or stops us, right? So for me, it's always about detail. I get bogged down in the details and then I get a little overwhelmed sometimes. And so I have people to help me with the details. Your superpower is coaching and getting people to get to their end result in six weeks or less and come up with books that people want to read. What would be your kryptonite? Mm, That's a great question. I think I'm great at helping others see their superpowers. I'm not so good about necessarily doing it for myself. So sometimes seeing the opportunity or thinking as big as I should. So I think that's why a coach is so important for each of us to have a coach to help us think bigger and move bigger. So um, I think that's my kryptonite is I don't think big enough or see myself as clearly as others might. That's our blind spots. And those are the things that come from our protectors, right? So it's a version of the bitch. So we pay attention to it. Excellent. Thanks for sharing (laughs) that. We want everybody to know, even though you've got superpowers, we all have to deal with these issues ourselves. We all have kryptonite. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Kathy Fayok at kathyfayok.com. We'll put all the links in the podcast. A real treat to have you here. Thank you for being generous and sharing your thoughts, your insights, your wisdom. Great. Thank you, Michael. This podcast is created and associated with Summit Media. My production team is Beth Smith and Kendra Vickers. The fee for the show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting. Goodbye.